Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by community pastor Ian Simpkins as we begin a brand new series called Genetically Generous. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Whoa. Right? I mean, in fact, I should have like somersaulted on stage or something. Like walking up wasn't nearly epic enough. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to the conclusion of that series. Um, how many of you here have taken one of those DNA tests before? Anyone? Any one of those? Yeah, for like $100, you can learn more about yourself than maybe you ever wanted to know. And it's really, really fun, but it's also like super terrifying. It's really strange. What, what, what happens is you get a, a tube, and then you have, to, uh, you have to spit in this tube. Like, like a lot. Like, you have to hawk some serious loogies into this tube. <laughs> You're right to groan. I don't blame you. That was gross. Um, so you spit in this tube. You seal it up. And then you send it off. And then a couple weeks later, uh, they send you back this report about uh, kind of your DNA and your heritage and where you come from and how you're made up. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, I actually took this test. And I found out some really interesting things about myself. Would you like to learn a little bit about my profile? I'm going to do it anyway. So... Um, Here we go. Here's the profile for Ian Simpkins. We found out first that I am 96% European. Shocker, right? (laughs) If you notice, I'm sunburned. That's because I went outside for seven minutes. Uh, (laughs) I also found that I am 3% East Asian. (laughs) Someone say yay. (laughs) All right. Like no one knows how to respond to that. But we did find, though, that I am also just 1% too legit to quit. So, um, <laughs> this is such a stupid joke. It's, some of you who are like under 20 are like, I don't get it. It's best that you not know. Like 1991 called, they want their joke back. Um, but 23andMe, though, isn't the only place that we can learn about our DNA and, and what we're made of. In fact, I, I believe that Scripture has a lot to teach us about who we are and how we're made. In fact, the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible is called Genesis, and we read this. It says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, in the Hebrew, that phrase, image of God, um, could be used to mean a couple of different things. But one is like when you, when you create, when you carve a statue in someone's honor. Like the statue David, that statue isn't actually David, but it's meant to reflect David and point people to David. In fact, creating the world in seven days and then resting on the seventh, in a Jewish audience, in a Jewish context, they would know that's a temple story. And the last thing that a deity would do is to create icons, viceroys, that they would place in this temple in order to reflect glory back to the God that it honored. So human beings, you and I, were created in the image of God. We are hardwired, our our genetics are intricately woven into the same character of God. So we're beginning a new series today called Genetically Generous, and it's because we believe that each of us are hardwired for generosity. In fact, we did a whole lot of research in preparation for this particular series. And uh, a little bit later, um, we're together going to take a, a generosity DNA test to determine uh, the unique ways that God has wired us to be generous. Because here's, here's the point. If we were made in the image and likeness of God, that means there are similarities that we bear. We believe that God is eternal. Therefore, we're wired for 
eternity. We believe that God is love. Therefore, we're wired for love, for connection, for relationships. And ultimately, we believe that God is generous. Therefore, you and I, every single person in this room, we're, we're wired for generosity. Those characteristics are innate in every single one of us, whether you believe in Jesus, the church, the Bible, or not. We're wired for generosity. Now, there's a, a short video that I think communicates this really beautifully, and we're gonna watch it in a second, but while you're watching it, I don't want you to just pay attention to what happens. I want you to pay attention to how it makes you feel. Take a look. So how did that make you feel? Like, I mean, that was, that was two minutes long, right? And I don't, I don't know about you, but when I saw that for the first time, I thought, oh man, that, that just, that feels right. Like, man, I, we need more of that in our world, don't we? When you look at that, you think, man, there's, there's something innate in us that says, yes, in fact, not only just good for them, but like, man, I, I wanna be a part of that. I wanna be a part of that kind of life-giving generosity. And perhaps maybe some of you saw that and you thought, man, that inspires me. I think inspire is the perfect word to use there. Inspire in the Latin literally means to give breath or life. There's something in us that when we see stuff like that, even though maybe we had no idea the context or the language, we watch it happen and we go, yeah, that's right. That's, that's good. It motivates us. It moves us. Why do you think that is? It's because we're hardwired for it. We're hardwired for generosity. And I think that when we see that kind of generosity, another thing that goes on is that we know, we know at least at some level that something that we can't see is also going on. There's more than meets the eye here, right? Maybe we wonder what, I wonder what motivated the giver. What's going on in their heart? 
Or maybe what, what emotions is the person that's receiving generosity feeling? What's going on in their heart? Like we, we know that we're getting just a glimpse of something far more profound, far more beautiful than we even maybe have language for. And I, I think part of the reason that we're stirred by stories like that is because ultimately at the heart of generosity is love. Generosity is the impulse of love. Another example of how we're wired by God uh, comes in 1 John. 1 John 4 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God, what's the word? God is love. Not just that he's loving or that he knows things about love or he could write a good book report on love. He himself is the essence and source of love. It's his ontology. He is love Itself, And if we're made in the image of that God, it should make sense to us then that when we see love lived out in generosity, it, it does something to us. It, it stirs in us something that says, man, I don't, I don't totally know what's going on there, but I want to be a part of that. I, I need more of that in my life, for my family, for my communities. We see that and think, yes, more of that, please. It's because it's hardwired into our DNA. Now, in Scripture, I think there are at least two crystal clear examples of God's generosity to us. The first is in creation. In creation, in Genesis, we we see that God provides everything for human beings, for their flourishing, for their sustenance, for their joy. Like, he's creating creating mountains and and waterfalls and fish and even duck-billed platypus. Like, he just is making it all. And we see God being generous toward his creation. Generosity flows out of this heart of love that this father has for his creation. Like, if, have you ever even just had that experience maybe looking out a window? Maybe you're driving. Maybe you don't even live in a particularly beautiful area, but you see a sunset or you see kids playing or you just remember what a gift you have, like in your family. You look out the window, you think, man, God, man, God has been so good to us. I think the psalmist puts it brilliantly. The psalmist writes, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the water. Simply put, all of creation is God's. And everything good we've ever experienced or had is a gift from God. And I'll be the first to admit, I forget this all the time. All the time. Does anyone know what it's like to, to more easily fixate on that which is broken in your life than that which is good? Like my brain naturally sort of drifts towards that what I don't have and I feel like I deserve rather than like that which has been freely given to me. We, we tend to sort of gaze on what is broken but only glimpse on that which is beautiful and I think it's time we reverse the order. Regardless of who you are, your story, every breath is God's generosity toward us, driven and motivated by love. E- even something as simple as taste or flavor. Do you ever think about that? Like taste or, like God didn't have to do that. Like taste or flavor isn't necessary. We could have all just sort of existed in like a matrix style, sort of like cream of wheat every day, sort of a, my apologies if you like cream of wheat, but you're wrong. Um, <laughs> like, take, like take steak, for example. Any steak lovers in the house this morning? Yeah, okay, steak is evidence of two things. One, that there is a God, and two, that he loves us very much. Um, he didn't have to give that to us. And in fact, sometimes it shows up in really surprising ways, doesn't it? Like, like who has ever driven past a farm, saw a pig, and thought, man, I'm gonna put the backside of that in an oven. It's gonna be delicious. 
right? Like, like bacon's gonna change the world, and it has, I would argue. These types of things are things that God didn't have to do. He didn't have to give us, but in his generosity, motivated by love, he gives them freely to us, everyone. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, you know the beauty of a sunset, the taste of a delicious steak, the love of good friends. God has been generous to us. All the creation belongs to God, and yet he is generous to us, and how easily I forget this. How quickly I jump to what I don't have, what I feel like I deserve. The second place that I feel like we we see crystal clear examples of God's love is the cross. In fact, I, I don't think there's a clearer example of God's generosity toward us than the cross. Think about it. In, in the midst of broken, fractured humanity, God does something scandalous. A, a verse that plenty of you probably already know reads this. It says, for God so loved the world that he, what's the word? So he loved the world so much, it motivated him to give of some kind. So what did he give? Did he give a construct or an idea, a list of rules or religion? No, no. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So his, his love so motivated him, he didn't, just, he didn't just give a little bit. He, he didn't sort of give out of what was left over. He, he gave of himself. Now I want you to think about this because in Colossians it talks about uh, through Jesus all things are created and held together. Which means that while he's being nailed to a cross, Jesus is the one who made those trees that was turned into wood for him to be nailed to. That means the glands that were created for us to be able to create spit that was spat upon him before he was crucified, he created and held together. In his great generosity, we see through his life, his death, and his resurrection, he gives fully of himself so that we could have peace with God and peace with others. There's, there's this beautiful passage in Philippians 2. It's, it's called the Kenosis Hymn. And the passage there says that Jesus didn't see equality with God something to be grasped, something to be, kind of be clung to, but he empties himself out. It's this idea of like emptying into, he pours himself out. He came not to be served, but to serve. And that's the one that we follow. When we say Christ followers, the one, if anyone deserved to have the entire world bow at his feet, he chose to wash feet and invites us to that same kind of generosity. I mean, think about it. That, that really is the essence of grace, isn't it? Like grace, grace is tricky because for those of us who like grew up in church, like I've been going to church since I was seven, I've heard the word grace a trillion times. And it was probably most of my young adult life that grace for me was simply the means by which I went to heaven. It certainly wasn't like a reality to walk in or walk through. It was just something, it was like my pass to the pearly gates, right? But think about it. The essence of grace means that I don't have to fight for or cling for that which is freely given to me in Christ Jesus. It means I get to opt out of the rat race. I get to hop off the treadmill of always trying to be good enough or smart enough or holy enough or successful enough, whatever that is for you. In grace, we're free to open our grip a little bit because it's not about throwing an elbow to get ahead. Because in Jesus, he's the sum and substance of all of God's promises. And so we don't come to God arms full of all that we can do for him. We come arms empty and say, God, I I can't save myself. I can't do it 
on my own. And Jesus says, I know. I know. That's why I went to the cross for you and everyone you've ever met. So the heart of generosity isn't this idea that like, oh, I need to be more generous than that guy or I need to like do it so that God loves me. No, no, in Christ, he already loves us. He already sees us fully and completely and calls us beloved. Out of that reality then, our, our white knuckle grip begins to loosen a little bit because we realize that everything that we have is a gift to begin with. When we're generous, I, I think we know that something innate in us is triggered when we do it, there's, there's something in our brain and our body that we know like this, this is right. In fact, there's, um, there's really good research to prove this point. I'm gonna read a little bit of, uh, of an article for you. It's from uh, the US News and World Report. And in an article entitled, What Generosity Does to Your Brain, here's what they write. The feel-good effects of giving begin in the brain. It's called the giver's glow. In fact, next time you see someone being generous, just call, say, you, you got that giver's glow today, just... Yeah, I probably don't do that. Um, it's triggered by brain chemistry, which recognizes rewarding stimuli. Philanthropy doles out several different happiness chemicals, including dopamine, endorphins that give people a sense of euphoria, and oxytocin, oxytocin, which is associated with tranquility, serenity, or inner peace. This pleasure and reward system, at its most basic level, is tied to the joy we receive from eating, sex, and social interactions. Viewing the brain with MRI technology during moments of generosity or selfless behavior has led scientists to uncover that even the thought of giving can engage this ancient response. Even just the thought of being generous, generous engages this part of the brain. This explains why the brain responds to generosity in a similar way as it does to behaviors necessary for life. I think that's fascinating that scientists are now discovering what mystics and theologians have known for centuries. That we are hardwired to be generous. And did you, did you catch that? Like even the thought of being generous starts to trigger parts in your brain. Like have you ever, has anyone ever been guilty of that? Like you thought to yourself, like man, I should really give up my seat for that guy. I'm not going to, but boy, I feel good for thinking it. I'm such, <laughs> such a good person. Now, personally, I don't need research to tell me this is true. Like I'll be, I'll be really honest when I volunteer, I mean, I know that when, when I'm done with that, like something in me is gonna be stirred. It's gonna like snap me out of the reality of the daily grind that says, man, there's something way bigger going on here. I know that when I volunteer, when I give of myself, something happens. I know that when we celebrate baptisms, you know, we celebrated over 100 baptisms last weekend across community. That's unbelievable to me. And, I, and I'm sitting right there and I'm watching these stories. I know each person represents a story and, I, and like I'm getting weepy because I cried everything now since I had a kid. I just weep all the time. And I'm watching and I think, man, it's a small drop in the bucket, but I know that my, my generosity helps make stuff like that possible. Like I get to join God in those stories of what's happening in this community through our generosity. I, I know that when I do like an anonymous act of kindness, one that doesn't make it to a sermon or my Facebook feed, that even innately, you're like, man, yeah, this is the stuff. I want, I want more of that in my life. Because don't we, aren't we just sort of, I mean, don't we, aren't we always sort of fighting that urge to just sort of like hoard and keep more for me and my time and my resources? Like, has anyone ever had to teach a child the word mine? <laughs> no, they just learn it somehow, right? 
But I believe what God is telling us is that you're, you're hardwired for something so much more beautiful, so much more freeing than feeling like you have to white knuckle all your stuff all the time, your time, your talent, and your resources. Do you know that God has hardwired every single person in this room with unique gifts and talents to heal a broken world? Every single one of us, I don't care what kind of story you brought in here this morning, what kind of background you have, every single person hearing my voice is hardwired with unique gifts and talents to bring hope and healing to a broken and hurting world. Could our world not use a little more healing in it? A little more wholeness, a little more shalom, a little more beauty, a little more generosity? That's innate in us. We're wired for it because God has created us that way. It's not an accident. It's not happenstance. We're wired for it. Now, uh, next week, we're gonna do something really exciting um, we actually have a community attender right here who uh, is a business consultant, and he's interviewed literally hundreds of people to figure out what motivates our generosity, to, to kind of decipher the code of how we're wired for different kinds of generosity. And in his research, six different profiles have emerged. Does anyone love taking like personality profile tests? Like anyone done Myers-Briggs or DISC or Enneagram or any of that? Maybe you took the BuzzFeed article to determine which Disney princess you are. Um, <laughs> I'm Jasmine, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it'd be weird for anyone who walked in right as I said that. Um, so next week, we're gonna actually take this survey together to, to better understand which of these profiles we're wired for, and then we're gonna, we're gonna actually unpack what that means. You're, you're not gonna wanna miss next Sunday because I think we're gonna dive deep down into research that I don't believe has ever been done in this particular kind of way. It's really, really going to be fascinating. I think it's... Huge for our community. These profiles will help us better understand ourselves and how we're wired to interact with the world. So make, make sure that you're here. But I want to go back to Genesis 1 for a bit, though. I want us to sort of land here and, and let this reality kind of wash over us. I'm going to read it again. Genesis 1, 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Just, would you think about that for a moment? That's kind of astonishing, isn't it? That the God of the universe, the one who spoke the universe into existence, created you and I as image bearers, as viceroys, to point people back to him, to ultimately heal the world. We're wired for generosity. That's why when we see it, it does something to us. Like I think about the, the little church that I grew up in outside Detroit. And for the last 25 years, that little church has helped send full-time missionaries all across the globe. Literally hundreds of people have met the living God because of the generosity of this little church. I think of like my mentor in college who took time to pour into a punk kid like me and I was, I was failing classes. I was, I didn't know where I was going or what I was supposed to do. And this guy took time to invest in me, to pour into me. Countless cups of coffee, countless meals. I cannot tell you how many times he's been patient with me. But that, I believe, is the heart of God. He was generous with his time and wisdom to a kid that really had no business receiving it. Like, I, I think about my, my parents. You know, I love my parents so much. 
My mom, every month, she cooks a, a meal for dozens upon dozens of homeless women and women from Detroit in the basement of our church. My dad drives a big old rickety bus all throughout the city and picks people up and drops them back off. And when I see that, when I watch that, it does something to me. Because we know that that generosity is motivated by love. It's the impulse of love and it stirs something in us. There's a a missionary to India named uh, Amy Carmichael. I, I think she put it brilliantly. She said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You cannot love without giving. God is love. And we are made in his image and likeness. Not not to grip tighter, not to throw an elbow, to climb a ladder, to get ahead, but to open our grip and say, God, everything that I have, every breath, every laugh, every meal, God, that is a gift from you. Ultimately, our generosity means joining God in the work of healing a broken world. And couldn't we all stand to see a little more healing and life in our world? My prayer is that we would be a people that say, okay, God, I'm loosening my grip. I don't know exactly how to do that yet, but I wanna be a part of what you're doing in the world. Help me, God, to live in love more like you. Let's pray. God, thank you first for loving us with that kind of love and we know that we could never do anything to earn or deserve it, God. And I know there are probably plenty of reasons, plenty of reasons, God, we feel like we need to protect, we need to hoard, we need to grip tightly, God. I I pray whatever those reasons are, they begin to speak to our heart, that your Holy Spirit would move and convict and redeem in ways that only you can. God, help us to see how generous you've been with us we know that we can opt out of the rat race of trying to be good enough, smart enough, holy enough to be generous to those around us to the very ends of the the world, God, that we could help people find their way back to you. God, thank you for hardwiring us for this. May we learn to be more generous every single day. And we pray all these things in the beautiful healing name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.